welcome to another episode of In Another World, a pop culture podcast. I am your host, Zachary Landolt, and I am so happy to welcome you to another edition of TV Tuesdays. You may notice that there were no episodes last week. <laughs> um, I needed, well, you know, I kind of needed a break, and then the world just sort of presented me with a break. Um, because the guest I had lined up for last week's Smash recap had to reschedule, and I couldn't get someone to fill in, so then I was like, well, I guess I just won't do a Smash thing, and then I was like, well, I guess I'll, I'll just, you know, do the Film Fridays, but then it felt weird to have one without the other, so I figured, let's just have a break. So, yeah, thank you for, uh, being patient for another episode. We are back on track. There shouldn't be any more breaks through the rest of the series, of both things that we're covering, and I have really fun stuff lined up in the future. So I'm very excited. I've been talking to some guests about some potential upcoming projects. Very exciting, very exciting. Uh, yeah, welcome to TV Tuesdays. Um, and it is TV Tuesdays. We talk about nothing but TV-related content, and I think it would be off-brand for me to not at least touch on for a moment the Academy Awards that just occurred this weekend. Which were, in a word, wild. They were truly strange. Um, we'll get to the smash, don't you worry. So they did this weird thing. Well, you know, it's COVID, so we get it. It's going to be different. It's, you know, that, that I'm not, I'm not one of those people that like, this isn't what it's supposed to be. Well, of course not. This is what the Academy Awards look like during, you know, a global pandemic. So that's, that's to be accepted. And, you know, they had... What sounded like, I mean, honestly, in some ways it worked really well. They had multiple, like, areas set up for people to broadcast to the Oscars with actual, like, high-definition cameras. There was not going to be, like, audio problems or video problems. You know, they had things in, I mean, all over. Like, they had some in France, in England, in, oh, man, it was, like, there were a couple other crazy places. It was, like, all over the place. It was truly insane. And they even had the Oscars not in the normal theater. They had it in Union Station in L.A. And they had it turned into a venue. Um, But then, like, it was just weird. Like, you know, you think during a global pandemic, you can't do as much stuff as you would want to do. Like, obviously, you're probably not going to put together a huge opening musical number or something. um, Because, you know, that might be a little whatever. But, you know, you're celebrating film, yes? So... One thing I always have loved about the Academy Awards, it is actually probably one of my favorite things, going back to when I was a little junior homosexual watching the Oscars, are the clips from the movies. Like, it is one of the things I would get so excited about, especially, you know, finding out about new movies, or if it was a movie I loved, wondering, like, ooh, I wonder what clip they're going to use for their, you know, performance for all the nominated actors. And they chose to, like almost use, like, no clips. Like, when I mean none, I mean almost none. It was truly nuts. Like, they would introduce the actors and just give them, you know, personalized introductions, which is lovely, a lovely idea. But we would get no, you know, it's a, you're celebrating a visual medium. Like, why not show us something? It was just kind of weird. And especially for categories like best costume or best production design, where, like, oh, this is a perfect moment to just, you know, show us the work they wouldn't show the work so it was just really odd it's something i hope that gets fixed but also even odder than all of that is the bizarre 
order that they did the awards. So a lot of like tea leading up to the Oscars was that most people assumed that Chadwick Boseman, who sadly passed away, of course, was nominated for Best Actor. People assumed he was going to win because, one, it was a fabulous performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Like, it was not some sympathy vote. It's a fabulous performance. And, you know, last chance to ever honor him. So everyone thought, oh, he's going to win. So clearly they wanted that to be a big moment. So they took a big swing, a big swing, and presented Best Picture before they had even given out Best Actor or Best Actress. I was, I almost had to stop the show and just take in the moment because I was so confused, so flummoxed, because I thought, wait, so we're going to know what movie won Best Picture before we know who won Best Actor and Actress? It was just truly bizarre. But then, in a M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong twist he did not win it went to anthony hopkins for the father which is i haven't seen it because it's a it's an alzheimer's dementia drama and that cuts a little too close to home with like stuff that's occurred in my family blah 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 not to get too serious but like so i'm not in a i'd love to see it for the performance but it's not something i can just look at flatly like a piece of art it's uh it's it's a little too complicated emotionally so maybe eventually i'll see it but right now i don't know like after i've seen i've seen a lot i've seen away from her i've seen still alice i've seen amore i've seen all these films dealing with this very similar well the same topic and it's always been emotionally really well for me but maybe I'll see it eventually. But he won. And wow, wow, wow. You could feel the energy in the room go, ooh, oh my. I mean, no one was like gasping, like, you know, clutching their pearls or anything. But it was just odd. Because one, now he's not, he wasn't even there. Because he lives in, in Wales. And so he was like, I'm not going to get on a plane, you know, I'm 83 years old. Like, you know, thank you so much. But I'm not going to do this. So he wasn't even there to accept the award. So then it just kind of ended the, with a womp womp, you know? This is weird. This is strange. And it's one of my favorite things is the Academy Awards. Uh, you know, I'm obsessed. I am an awards gay. I, I love award shows, specifically film award shows. Um, and, you know, and this award season was so long because usually the show is in, like, late February, you know, maybe the first, like, week or so of March. And it was, like almost May. So we've been sticking with this for a very long time. And so for this to be the show that we got, it was just kind of like odd. Now, all that being said, I've said, you know, things I did not like. There were many things that were fabulous. Great. We got our, I mean, this is so depressing to say this, but we got our second female director winning Best Director. Truly insane that nobody has won since Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. It went to Chloe Zhao for directing Nomadland. And it was just like, she's such a lovely woman and so talented. And I cannot wait to see what she does with her career. I'm so excited. So excited. It was such a great moment for her. But then like, even that, they pushed Best Director to a really early slot in the show, which I felt was kind of like undercutting the, you know, moment for her. Because usually it's it's later in the show. There's been build up, you know, it's so exciting. It's like, you know, 
one of the last things they give out. So it's just, I would, I don't know. It just kind of bugged me. It's such a big moment. And like, I wouldn't stood up for her. Like, I was like, give her a standing ovation. Like, what are you doing? Like, not condescending, but like, she deserves it. Like, for it, ugh, I can't even. But other great winners in supporting actor was Daniel Kalula, who was in Judas and the Black Messiah. I have been a big fan of him ever since discovering him in Get Out and, of course, Black Mirror, you know, Widows. Just he's He's been fabulous. And I kind of always was like, he'll he'll eventually win an Oscar, and it did not take long. He's, he's such a... Like, he has such intensity in his face when he's acting in a way that is electric to watch. So, amazing, wonderful fan. And Yu Zhong Yun won Best Supporting Actress. I hope I said her name correctly. Oh, my God. Um, for Best Supporting Actress for Minari. That was also an amazing moment. Um, also, shout out to... They did this one segment where they were playing Oscar... Well, they're playing. A, they would play a song and say, "Is it was it Oscar nominated? Was it an Oscar winner, or was it snubbed?" And they had a whole bit with Glenn Close where she was like, "I know what song that is. That's Dabut from a Spike Lee movie." And then she like shaked her ass on the Oscars. And honestly, if that doesn't make people want to give her an Academy Award, finally, I don't know what's going to. So you know. Put that in her, you know, performance package when they submit Sunset Boulevard eventually, you know, because that should really send it over the edge. Oh, I don't even know if I mentioned this already, but Nomadland won Best Picture. <laughs> Have I already mentioned that? I don't know. I'm talking in circles. Um, also, you know, shout out to Frances McDormand, who now has three leading actress Oscars. And, you know, I said this on Twitter. I remember a time where I thought that her career was like, not fading away, but I would think, you know, how odd that she gave this groundbreaking performance in Fargo. So amazing. Wins an Oscar. And now she's, like, starring in an adaptation of Madeline. You know, it's just kind of, like, weird. But now, here she has, she has more, she's tied with Meryl Streep for a number of Oscar wins, but all of, all of Frances's are for leading actress. Um... One of Meryl's is for supporting, so, like, it's, like, you know, kind of a big deal. Um, but truly, like, truly crazy. Like, she's one away from tying with film actress legend Catherine Hepburn. So, like, go her. And what was truly great about it is you could tell she did not care about the award. She, like, j she wasn't, like, bullshitting, like, I don't care about this stuff. She really doesn't care. She cares about the work. She cared about her fabulous film, Nomadland, which was... Also, it's a kind of film that I would not normally assume would be praised by the Oscars. It's very, it's a very quiet film. She, she's very good. I mean, she, you know, won an Oscar for it, but it's a very quiet performance. It's not super flashy. There's not. I was actually curious what her clip was going to be, but they kind of uh, <laughs> took care of that by not having them. Um, so yeah, I'm going to stop rambling with the Oscars because we are here to talk about Smash. Um, and I have a fabulous guest here to talk about Smash with. It is Chris Carrasco, who is an actor, singer. Um, I, first of all, also does drag and did a fabulous Ariana Grande number that I was uh, cackling with laughter when I saw it. It was truly, truly crazy. Crazy hilarious. And he dropped by to talk about Smash Season 1, Episode... Five? Where are we at? Yeah, episode five. Oh my god, I had a moment. Episode five, let's be bad. And oh my gosh, you guys. 
what an episode. This episode contains, in my uh, in my opinion, w- maybe the greatest musical number that they did on this show. In the entire run of the show. Truly bonker balls, amazing, belting, badass bitch moment from Megan Hilty doing Let's Be Bad. So we're all very excited. But yes, without you know, without wasting any more time, let's jump into, you know, I have been playing all these promos. Let's jump into the promo, the original promo for the episode Let's Be Bad, and then we'll head into our conversation about it with Chris Carrasco. He's my big shot Valentine. Ivy, Ivy, stop. Karen. Show how to do this. Next Monday. Don't get ahead of yourself. The competition has just begun. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. As things heat up. We were talking. Guilty. No. Guilty. No. Sorry. Is there a problem here? You humiliate me! Anything can happen. What about our other Marilyn? She finds out you want to replace her. Don't you dare. The competition that's a must-see. Hello, and welcome to another edition of TV Tuesdays, where we are going through season one of the NBC series Smash, and we have arrived at episode five, Let's Be Bad, and I am joined by a wonderful actor, singer, drag superstar in my eyes. Your first number I saw you do was one of the most hilarious numbers I've ever seen in my life. It's Chris Carrasco. I'm... What's your last name? Don't don't kill me. That's all right. That's okay. People have done it for years, so it's not like this is brand new. You know what In I mean? In fairness, my last name gets butchered all the time as well, so I, I at least sort of understand. How do you pronounce it then? La- what, my last name? Yeah. Landold. Landold. How yeah. do people say it then? Oh, uh, like Landholt, Landol, uh uh like there's been a uh, landlot like just they make up letters they add letters that aren't even in the name um mm-hmm. they they go off they go off they have their own I journey that. yeah That's I, I mean yeah it's wonderful um well how are you doing i'm very excited to have you on the show um i'm good um i'm currently at a penn state musical theater um yeah. as a, i'm i'm in almost a week i'm about to be a junior oh. which is like the craziest fucking thing in the world to even say like <laughs> I didn't even think I would finish high school, let alone go to college, let alone go to college for romper room fuckery. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's just like surreal sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I was at school for musical theater, I'm like, am I just like paying tens of thousands of dollars to, yeah, put on voices and do like jazz squares? Like what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it feels like that, you know, you're you're in class and your teacher's asking you to like, I don't know, be a bug on the floor in your bedroom <laughs> while you're on a camera because there's a pandemic happening and no musical theater work is happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't feel great, but yeah, that's right. It's like you have perfect time to talk about Smash. Right, uh, exactly. A fantasy world. Uh, now, did you watch this when it was on the air? I can't like I'm trying to put those pieces together. So here's the thing. Here's my complicated history with Smash. So I grew up in the middle of the backwoods, Mm -hmm. um, very poor. And so like we did like didn't have like TV or internet for like the foundational years of like me growing up. I didn't Mm. have like stable internet access until I was like 17. Oh, wow. Um, And so um, a lot of my time was spent like dreaming and imagining and and reading and and like singing and you know things yeah. that you can do without any of those things um right. 
And so when I started doing theater, obviously, like, I was the one. Um, I thought I was, like, Rachel Berry, and I had to know absolutely every single thing about it. Um, and so then when I found, like, at the public library, this show called Smash, <laughs> and yeah. on the back of it, like, there was all these people, like, dancing and, and, like, in pretty costumes. I was like, oh, clearly I have to pick this up. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, and so, like, I feel like I had binged that first season in, like, <laughs> maybe, like, three days. Oh, wow. And I was obsessed. Oh, yeah. The, the, oh, man. Well, because the first season, I liked the first season a lot more than the second season. The second season is, like, as, as crazy as this first one is, the second one is just, like, a CW show. It, like, tr- gets, like, truly, truly crazy. Oh, the first one is a CW show, too. Well, <laughs> I don't know what the first one... See, the first one, I don't know what it feels like to me. It feels like Showtime light, like, not quite NBC. It has the NBC sheen to it, though. All the NBC shows look the same. But it's just, like, it's just weird looking at also the promos for this show because mm-hmm. they tried to make it a much sexier show than even was like it's about so... theater people like there's how are you gonna make like i under like theater people are sexy don't get me wrong sure but it's like the cultural connotation of that is not what they presented this to be in yes. any of the promos no and also watching this show under the 2021 lens is also very fascinating None because of there works. are many scenes where you go oh wow this could every not... scene i'm like this person would be fired the entire character of Derek, like every time he's on screen, I'm like, fired, like canceled. This would not work, baby. You would not no. still be doing this show. Like and just lightly harassing Karen the entire season. Like it's right, really exactly. bonkers. And it's I'm not team Karen, because... but I'm team not doing that. It's just it's just weird because it's like this show really does like attempt to capture this like world of musical theater that hopefully doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? Like hopefully we're done with it. I'm sure, like, it's obviously, like, turned up to the max. Like, it's a telenovela. Like, it's a fucking soap opera, essentially. Like, (laughs) when I show it to non-theater people, they're always like, Chris, like, what is this? It's awful. And I'm like, no. (laughs) If you knew what I know about what I I am doing, you would think this was incredible. Um, But no, yeah, it's just like, like, um, (laughs) I pray that, like, there is some good in this whole pandemic situation. Because it's really opened our eyes to, like, behaviors and practices that are just, were unacceptable to begin with. And hopefully continue to be unacceptable. Yeah, it's like, it's not that when I watched the show when it first aired, I didn't think, oh, how gross. But it was, like, normalized grossness. I'm like, well, you know, that's what a director does. Like, you know, director's world. It's a man's world. Like, you know, I I kind of... It's so, I, mean, I think like wait how old is this show it's only like nine years old it's really it's not that long ago and yet yeah I watched scenes from this and especially this this episode has an early scene with Karen and Derek where the whole thing is like him alluding to the fact that she didn't sleep with him and I'm like this is wildly inappropriate yeah. title nine violation like just like uh, not not acceptable in any kind of way I think the main thesis of this episode is um, theater people are rotted and gutted and meant for hell. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah, yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) It's also funny because people, whenever they talk about Smash, um, they've said, oh, you know, it's a ridiculous show. It's it's like fanciful. And I'm like, yes, it is fantasy. But there are also parts of this where I'm like, no, I've seen that happen. Like, no, I know that. I know. I know every character in this show. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, no, that's like uh christian borrell i'm like no i've, I've worked with him yeah oh, Jewel, i slept uh, with him 
Deborah Mass saying like, no, we get her, we get her. Like Derek Wills, absolutely. And like Ivy has a scene in this episode, we'll get into it later, where I'm like, I literally went to school with this girl. Like I know exactly who this girl is. Let's just say there is some um, pageantry within the theater community, (laughs) especially at um, a collegiate level, personally, that I am currently experiencing that I say no. I am putting my foot, I'm putting both feet down and just saying this needs, this must stop. This must end. Yeah, it's lots of people trying to, you know, like, like put their dominance over someone else. Like, just so you know, like, I am the star here. And you're like, okay okay like at one point you weren't though like what are you talking about like everyone's replaceable and also you don't have to be awful to people like you do not have to be a bitch like there are lots of people i don't like but there are not many people i would just be openly rude to you know and also like this is a world premiere musical everybody's making equity minimum nobody's being paid any more than anybody else (laughs) like i don't understand what the deal is for this workshop like calm down like live your life um it's also so fascinating on the last episode we were talking about like ivy like you have the lead like you've got it like calm down like chill girl your name is in the ink yeah like calm nobody's taking that away no one's taking that from you baby well that's well that's the whole like fallacy with the whole thing that always got me because it's like contractually these things would have been ironed out weeks before they got into rehearsal right Right. They would right. not be arguing about who is the understudy, who is Marilyn, who is yada, yada, yada. No. There are checks being signed and things being written yeah. for people to do specific things. Like, in the real world, this would not happen. Like, it wouldn't occur this way in the slightest. Oh, no. And it's so fascinating that it was written by someone from the theater. Because you would think, like, oh, this must be some L.A. writer that knows nothing about Broadway. And it's just, yeah, it's... And I get that you have to change things for like middle America where they're like, I don't understand how this works, but it's just, it's as a, it's so weird. I both think theater people are the only people that would truly love this show, but they're also the people that would be the most infuriated by it because things occur on this show where I'm just screaming at the TV, like that would not happen happen. or that's not valid or you're you're completely turning the tables on something this character did two episodes ago and now you're pretending like they don't know how to perform as this character it's just like well it's even it's in this episode it happens mid-scene there are moments where i'm like karen what are you doing well well, you should know every episode i have a karen moment of the week which is when i just play a moment where karen made my eyes roll and so you have that to look forward to later oh i can't Uh, wait we've had many highlights of karen moment of the week we've had um i think the last episode it was when she turns to the other ensemble member and says will the numbers be on the stage in the theater (laughs) like yes karen (laughs) it's like sorry i've just never done this before and the girl's like we know Oh my god. Very that. Um, well, should we dive into the episode? Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Well, so the episode kicks off and we find out that Eileen's assistant has left her to go work for her soon-to-be ex-husband. We then cut to Derek working on choreography with Karen until Ivy arrives for rehearsal and breaks up the party. Also, Michael Swift asked Julia if he can tell her some of his ideas for the DiMaggio scenes. Later that night, they meet up to eat pie and flirt. Now, this scene was bonkers to me because 
she's made this whole spectacle about i had an affair with michael swift you can't let me do anything that could cause this to become affair and i'm like and you're instantly meeting him for like p.m hour like pie sessions like i don't like that and her husband's out of town she this character is so funny to me i just want to say very very quickly yeah. Number one, it makes so much sense with my French vanilla fantasy that I am on a podcast right now. I, I just, I just putting that out there. Number two, Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing is so winning in this character. Oh what is even more winning is that her hair understands what show it's in. Yes. Yes. I would this agree is with a that. wigs by Vanity, <laughs> hand tied, human hair, extra bundles, lace frontal wig. And it's the most beautiful hair I've ever seen. She does so much like hair and sweater acting in this show, and it's it's, it's so it's, good. It's a it's a glass. I want the, the well. Uda Hagen book on uh-huh. Deborah Messing's hair acting. I just think it's so good. Now, do you know that the creator of the show, like her character, is kind of based on the creator of this show? Oh, work. So she also cheated on her husband in in broad <laughs> in the broad um, city light. Who's her, to say? Um, I don't know. Um, but I, I've told other people uh, the back behind the scenes tea I heard about this was that she wanted to control the whole show. And so by the end of the season, she had fired the entire writer's room and was just writing mm-hmm. all of the scripts herself. And if you notice as the season goes on, the Deborah Messing character gets more and more screen time. And so it's just this weird, like meta thing where it's like, oh, it's, it's like ego mixed with. I don't know. She was losing her way. But like we we just Julia just acts a fool very like quickly on the <laughs> series. She does not waste much time. Very quickly, but also very earnestly. You know what I mean? Yes. Like everything is very much like comes from a place of groundedness. It comes from yeah. a place of um <laughs> foolishness. Yes. That is rooted in groundedness. Also, I just said nothing. I wish I could make a <laughs> compilation of just every time that Deborah Messing on this show goes, no. No. She's just like, no. <laughs> With her big glasses and like her eyes get very wide. And you can see the white all around like the people. And it's it's it happens many times. I I, I if I cared enough to go and make the video, I'd make the video. But I, I, it would be at least a minute long. Like it happens a lot in the show. It's like she the way she says it is very much like she's talking to like some like demented <laughs> cat who's about to like pee on a carpet. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's very much that no. fantasy. <laughs> yes. And I really appreciate that because yeah. it is specific. It is a choice that is intentional when there are other <laughs> actors on this show that may or may not be doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, man. So we also see Tom finally go on his second date with the boring lawyer, who I've already forgotten his name again. I just keep calling him boring lawyer. Boring lawyer. Yeah. And he brings up the fact they have not had sex yet. And then when things finally start to heat up at dinner, they're interrupted by a call from one of the most obnoxious characters on the show, Julia's son, who says he can't reach his mom and his dad's out of town. And he's been arrested for smoking pot in Central Park. But he's a rich white kid, so like really what's going to happen to him? But they do run off. Yeah, they rush off to the police station to quote unquote save him. I was like, oh, give me a break. Like this is so ridiculous. First and foremost, I think it's just unrealistic um, depictions and representations of homosexuals that they have not had sex yet. I was like, what's like there's no way there's no way that that lawyer didn't have an entire fist up Christian Borrell's ass within the first 15 minutes of meeting. Uh. You know what I mean? Well, because also like 
the first date they went on it was when nick jonas was around and they had the he had, he had to rush off to a party with him and i'm like well, why didn't they fuck after the party like i don't i don't understand they, they would have fucked at the party even at the party in the kochak room like you know like it's i don't i don't understand so it's it's definitely odd and I guess he does bring up the fact that it's weird that they haven't slept together yet, but it's just mm. like I know he's boring, but he is attractive. He's an attractive man, you know. I, I mean, if dull, yeah. I mean, attractive. Like he's, you know, he's uh, handsome. I mean, I don't boring. cringe when I look at him. He what? I don't cringe when I look at him. Yeah, I don't cringe. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I was, I'd sleep with him. He's, I, I, I like a personality, so he's not my type. But you know, right, exactly, he's, yeah. he's attractive enough. Uh, but I digress. So, anywho, back to the sun. Back. To- this actor, I don't understand what was going on in his life during this production of this television series yeah. because he's gone on to do other things. Yes. Where I'm like, wow, like you're pretty Emery good. Emery Cowan. Fully, like yeah. I don't understand like what was going on. Yeah, because I remember at the time when I saw him on the show, I was like, wow, that is one of the worst actors I've seen on a major show in a long time. And then yeah, I saw him in Brooklyn. And I went, mm-hmm. oh, God, it's the guy from Smash. Oh, he's going to ruin this movie. But then he was, like, very good in Brooklyn. So I don't know if he was just going for a very naturalistic teen, like, oh, it's, like, not a performance. I'm just, I'm a teen. I'm an angsty teen. But I really can't stand him on the show. Like, it, it's every time he's on screen, I go, ugh. It's just but, almost ugh. like his understanding of the character was that his age was like six years younger than it than he actually was. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just didn't understand what he was trying to accomplish at any at any point in time. No, oh, I don't screen. think he did either. He was it was too... so very confusing. <laughs> I assume he was doing his best, and that's that's alarming. The um, worst part is that one scene where they're talking about. Um, I don't. It doesn't happen in this episode, but it's a it's a scene where he's talking about like oh, like, I don't understand how I don't have this sister and how she's in China and we have oh. to wait to go get her. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I talked about it. He's like, Mom, we've been talking about this forever. Like, he's so... It's so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. Like, you promised me I'd get us a sibling. I'm like, what the fuck, bitch? It's, it's community theater at Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Like, I just don't understand what is going on. Uh-huh. And no one wants that. That's something no one wants. Right. So the next day at rehearsal, Derek, this is the scene. I was going to pull a clip from it, but there's something that happens right after it needs to be much more heard. So I will just go into this. Next day at rehearsal, Derek stops Ivy in the middle of singing Let's Be Bad to berate her and tell Karen that she needs to demonstrate how to do the, quote, Marilyn vibrato that she, he wants to hear on the song. Now, here's where this makes me scream. is that Because neither one he, of them does it. Sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> right. That's also a thing. <laughs> Let's just state the fact. Neither one of them sound like Marilyn. <laughs> sure. So, well, and honestly, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Um, bless her. Bless her. R.I.P. R.I.P. But like, we've seen her quote do like what he's talking about, like in another number or two by this point. So it's like what it, it's so it's mostly just ridiculous that suddenly we're showing ivy like struggling to do this or know what he's Mm -hmm. talking about when we've you know we've seen her do it so it's it mostly just doesn't make sense it's something that tv does all the time where they just it's like they think that the audience just forgets the entire episode Mm -hmm. as soon as they watch it and like oh they won't remember they won't remember um and well initially so initially i didn't think so when i first watched the show i was that girl and i (laughs) i initially didn't believe that ivy what i wasn't on tv team ivy 
full dead right. stop. Oh, wow. um, okay. Okay. Purely because I thought like her voice was so technically savvy and big that mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it matched that character. Because let's be honest, like Marilyn Monroe was not a singer. No, 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 no. So when I sit there as an audience member and I see and I hear this person who has this mo- ridiculous voice, yeah. the, the only reason anybody should watch Smash is to hear Megan Hilty sing. Like, just uh, yeah. let's be very honest about that. Let's um, be, yeah, truthful. So so when I was little, I was like, oh, cl- like obviously it's going to be the, the, that other bitch. You know what I mean? The whisper singing? Like, absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because... Yeah, and that, now it's like, oh, it's a Broadway fantasy version of Marilyn Monroe. Like, okay, great, great, great. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because you have Karen, who I guess, quote unquote, sounds more like Marilyn, but looks nothing like Marilyn. And then you have Megan Hilty, where you look at her and you're like, well, that's Marilyn Monroe. But mm-hmm. then she sings and you're like, well, I mean, she sounds amazing. We, we love we love to hear it. But it's not like, it's not like, um, you know, stephanie j block trying to sound like share in share the musical mm-hmm. or you know uh that fabulous girl from the tn turner musical adrian warren TN- warren okay i'm about to say i was like that key, is that her name yeah fabulous fabulous but this was not that this was just like it's Marilyn. like you know it's Marilyn. wait can um, i ask but- you a question yeah please so obviously clearly there isn't now a canon of like like biopic musicals yeah like musicals where it's very clearly like this is a person's life story yes i because i have a very strong opinion about this mm-hmm. do you want somebody to do an exact rendition of a person or do you want an actor who is doing more of an homage but also still mm-hmm. focused on very much like this is who i am and who this is who i bring to right. this person's life story like what what's the what's the trade-off like what do you think I want something in the middle, like, I I guess, well, yeah, like, I mean, I want to at least get lost in the fantasy of me believing they're playing that person enough that I, but I also am not, like, I'm not sitting here expecting you to magically make your voice sound like the singer's voice, because that's just, like, ridiculous like and that and it's only i've only been tricked like gooped like that a couple <laughs> times even in my life like one of them was when audra mcdonald played billy holiday and i was just like yes. well this is like a it's like she's possessed by billy holiday and i remember being such a little little bitch about Ugh, i don't know if audra mcdonald can sing like billy holiday so it's gonna be a little tricky and then audra mcdonald's like how dare you how dare mm-hmm. you how dare you how dare you question me, you silly homo. And then, like, she was amazing. Right. But, like, like Stephanie J. Block. I think Stephanie J. Block was sort of, like, a thing of... She clearly tried to sound like Cher, but the thing is, Stephanie J. Block is a powerhouse vocalist in a way mm-hmm. that, God bless Cher, gays don't come for me. She's not exactly that, you know? I think right. we can yeah. all agree with that. Like, you know, I think even she would agree that Stephanie J. Block is probably a better singer than she is um but yeah it's weird like the other thing about this show is this musical makes no sense like no i remember someone asking megan hilty like would you ever play this on broadway and she's like well no one could so like not the way it's written (laughs) like i don't know how that would be a show because who could do this eight times a week no one no one after after singing the song let's be bad you'd be like intermission (laughs) and intermission Oh, man. So as we go into our first clip, oh, my goodness, are we so excited? Woo! 
So in this uh, clip from the show, we see Derek has set up a side rehearsal for Karen to teach Ivy the Marilyn vibrato. And when they meet up later to rehearse, Ivy really lets her feelings be known to Miss Karen Cartwright from Iowa. This is so silly. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You sound amazing on everything. I don't know why I need you to, to take singing lessons from a chorus girl. That's not what I was going to say. No? Look, I know this is awkward for both of us. It's not awkward for me. Well, you're acting kind of... Kind of what? No, tell me, how am I acting? Look, you don't have to be all mad at me, okay? I'm no threat to you. I'm not anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Can I give you a little advice? Oh, please do. I'm a grown-up. And I have a pretty clear sense of what I bring to the party. That's the advice? No, the advice is don't get ahead of yourself. If I need a little dialect coaching once in a while, so be it. Marilyn got help all the time. All the time. <laughs> but she knew what she brought to the party, too. And what she had couldn't be taught. <laughs> <sighs> man um so again this is the scene i was referring to earlier i have like seen girls pull these kind of mind games with like other girls and shouts like this is like i'm like this is documentary this is a documentary this, now. oh my god <laughs> let me tell you something can i be honest can i be vulnerable i guess you can be say, honest that's fine and say this on yes. the pod right now you're ivy no <laughs> i definitely was not gonna say that what i'm going to say is Megan Hilty is such a phenomenal actress because I just, I don't know. I just get so lost in whenever she speaks yeah. and every single tactic, every single turnaround, like everything is just so pointed and so specific. And it's like, she knows exactly what she's doing at every moment, Yes, you know? And, and it's like, it's just like, it's like she's been doing TV her entire fucking life. And maybe it's just like my personal aesthetic is that I, I like this kind of performance yeah, because you know, it, you know it, it is a little theatery. It is a little a little. But larger. it works for the. It's like the one show where that's fine because you're like, well, she's a theater actress. She understood a hundred percent the assignment mm -hmm. at any and all times. Megan Hilty understands the assignment, <laughs> and I just yes. really appreciate her. And I wish her career, I wish this show did what, what it was intended to do for her and yeah. launch her into stardom. Yeah, instead we kind of, I mean, obviously she's doing fine. It's not like I'm yeah. like, oh no, I'm worried about her. But it, it, it <laughs> like, where will, where did she go? But it is funny, like, even like, I think this was her first TV role, if I'm not mistaken. I need to like look that up. But mm -hmm. she does not get an equal introducing credit, like Miss Catherine McVie. And that always uh. bothered, it always bothered me. I'm like, you know, middle America, less knows who Megan Hilty is than Catherine McPhee. At least she was on fucking, not The Voice, um, American Idol. American you know? Idol Mama. So, so like, give me a break. And it's Megan Hilty. Like, get, get out of here. But She's yeah, so she, incredible. I just love that Ivy, yeah, it's just like calculated every second she's interacting with Karen Cartwright. So I, would, I, would, I dare a motherfucker to speak to me the way that she just spoke to Karen. Only I Karen. would, Only I would have Karen. punched that bitch in the face. I'd be oh, like, yeah, you have some nerve on this day, on this hour. The line reading I am obsessed with that that Megan Hilty does in the scene is when she goes, um, no, re no, really, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. 
no, what am I doing? Like, I'm like, that's that girl. We, we've it's like, all... you're angry, I'm angry. You're angry, yeah. Oh, you're, you're pissed, angry? I'm pissed. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm not angry. Oh, I'm fine. She yeah. went to acting class. <laughs> she did. This is a scene study. They should show this in the BFA Acting One Fundamentals course because <laughs> it is exactly everything that anybody should be striving to do. That's just how I feel. Agreed. Man, any other thoughts about this scene before I move forward? I just feel so Karen like have had more of a back down, a backbone. Karen, let's be honest. You could have hired a mop to do what yeah. Karen Cartwright is doing. You know what I mean? Like, a mop couldn't sing as well as she can. But at this point, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, we've I also want already her version of getting sassy back at her is like, oh, whatever. It's, it's like, like she, yeah, slinking it's... off in a whisper. It's like she has like an no pun intended, an IV oh. drip of like melatonin at all times. Yeah. That's the performance. I just always imagine she's had a clonopin before every every take. See, I'm so young and thin that I don't know what that is. It's a pill that makes you a little down, like a little like mellow. I understand. Okay, I've never heard of a clonopin. Wow, I feel like No, I don't know. I don't know. Well, okay, so side note, we've we've established already that there's no way in hell that a rehearsal like this would ever be conducted. Oh my god. I get out but of the, here. But the real gag is where is the stage manager? Where was Anne Hereda? Where was she? I don't know, but I would love to see her again. I literally <laughs> wrote a note about her. I want oh, the, I want her just to be like sitting in a chair in the corner, but we're just not seeing her. And like as she storms out, she's like with her binder in the corner, like just fully like I have snacks if you guys want them. <laughs> Let's be honest, the stage manager knows all the drama. They know all all the things that happen. In, Which in is the show. why it is so absolutely preposterous that she would not have attended this rehearsal. There is no way. There's no way. Oh, man. Okay. Well, moving forward, we cut to Julia, who finds out that her son's almost arrest was not even arrested, just to be clear, not even arrested, might affect their possible adoption. That's when Michael runs into her and tries to engage and console her, but Julia won't have any of it and storms off. Ivy is clearly shaken by the icy treatment she's being given by Derek and struggles to perform the new number, but she pulls it together and gives a performance that would make any gay man's head shoot off their body. And with that being said, I will be playing a short little clip from Let's Be Bad because I think it would just be criminal to not at least hear a couple seconds of it because she is truly an icon. It had to be sad. It had to be. It had to be like touched on. Um, and I after feel that, so... like, the show should have ended. It was like that's the season finale because <laughs> I just feel so attacked that you invited me on this podcast to talk about this specific episode because my school just did its season auditions and we're yeah. doing um, the Wild Party in the fall. Oh yeah, I, really? sang, I sang the song from. Oh audition. really? And was not called back for the part I wanted. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't. I don't that. either. I don't believe. Especially when it took six hours to to uh, make that tape, but it's okay. <sighs> I wrote, I wrote a, a lengthy email about it. So. And honestly, that's homophobia. And like, honesty, like, that's, I don't like that. And I don't believe in that. And that doesn't make sense for me for your uh, journey. It, it doesn't make sense in my fantasy, like yeah. I said earlier. But right, what does right. make sense in my fantasy is Megan Hilty in this dress. <sighs> yeah. It made me gay. The singing <laughs> went on to make me a fully fledged faggot. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, absolutely. The it's entire so scene. I love like the lead into it. Like, uh, it's, yeah, the design of it. I, yeah. The cinematography is gorgeous. Yeah, I think it's one of the top 
three numbers of the first season. It's so incredible, but unfortunately, it I don't think it would work as a stage number. Probably not. No, no, no. Because no. it, it it absolutely relies on the convention of cinema. Yes. In a yes. way that I don't think would work in in real life, because because like, then like all of the 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 you know the people coming in from the side yeah, yeah, being yeah, like, yeah. oh my god, that bitch is off her tits. You know what I mean? Right. Like <laughs> that would stop tits. the momentum. Yeah. What is she on? How many pills right. is she on? Yeah, all of that. I'm like, like we get it. We, oh, is she on pills? Do we get it? Like, do I understand? Yeah. Right. Oh man. So this next, so this next scene, I was just like, oh, this is both accurate to the gay community, but also I wanted to scream. So we cut to a scene where we see Michael, Mister Michael. Why am I saying Michael Riedel? Not Michael Riedel. It's not Michael Riedel. Um, Michael from the show. His last name's not coming to me right now. I'm having a whole mm. blank moment. Michael Swift. There we go. I was like, what the fuck? There is we go. Generic. Will Chase name? in the flesh. Um. <laughs> yeah, we get Michael, Ivy, and Sam, played by Academy Award nominee Leslie Adam Jr., getting. Hi, um, Leslie. I love him getting drunk about their problems and we see Ivy and Michael venting about their love life problems and we also see Sam venting about how he did not get a good first impression of Tom and he says in the scene and and it should be noted Sam is a homosexual and he says mm-hmm. he's just so gay he's so gay this that, this uh, like I'm not like other girls uh, fantasy that they gave Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, to work yeah, with yeah. Carnegie Mellon trained actor yes it's just really sad to me. It was such a waste of time. And like <laughs> you know? he does about as much with it as he as he can. Like I'm like he's yeah. he's trying to make this work. He's not bad, but it's just like I just ugh, I hate it whenever this is like a thing with even though it's again it's a very real thing I see in the gay community where there are guys who are like ugh I don't like a gay guy that like seems gay you know and it's just like what what game are you trying to win here like it's. <laughs> The gayest thing on the planet, you want to know what that is? Soliciting sex from men. Yeah, on a on a. And for you to app. say right here, and for you to say right here, and this day on this earth, this I want a masculine gay man. I you know what know. the most faggoty thing is? <laughs> Sitting there saying you want a masculine I want man. A, I want a man, man. I don't want. You want a man with muscles, right. who has no personality, who chews I dip. Want, yeah, I want like Harry Chas. Like I want him to, you know, be sweaty, like not shower. Like I want him to like smell like a man. That's the gayest thing I've ever heard. It's very gay. Like, What very... game are they playing? <sighs> I can't even. Yeah, so that's a whole thing. And I'm like, okay, so I get it. We're going to be having a plot line with Tom down the line. We get it. We get it. Um, we also see Karen and Dev getting ready for a very important work event for him. He suggests she wear something more sexy, to which Karen feels uncomfortable, stating she, quote, wasn't raised that way. This leads to the show's first Glee style in real life musical number, which is a performance of This is a Man's World. This is where the show goes, okay, we give up. It's going to be a little bit Glee. Because up I, until now, it's all been reality-based or, like, them imagining a number, like, you know, as a fantasy number, but still, like, they're performing in a, you know, rehearsal hall. Or it's like, oh, I'm performing on stage at a bar. You know, there's some sense of reality to it. This is just Karen um, with a full, full you know, backing track singing the song. <laughs> you know, It's fully karaokeversion.com. Like, she just oh, yeah. felt the need. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, why I've heard chair dance. Meanwhile, like her neighbors are fully like, "Can you shut the fuck up?" Can you up? shut up? And also, her her boyfriend, I'd be like, "Can you actually just like get ready so we can go there together? Like, wh- why do you need to stay here and do a number?" 
the real smash of this um, show is this cautionary tale about the dangers of heterosexuality. Because the power dynamic is just so bizarre. And oh, if, like, this right. scene was written today, like, it would just not fly. You know what I mean? No. Like, he's fully like, you have to look hot so I can get a job. And she's just like, nah. Like, you know what I mean? She's like, did you hear anything I just said to you? Yeah, it's... Just, it's I'm yeah. like, no, actually, he didn't. No, because you like, were whispering the whole time. Speak <laughs> Use your chest resonance. <laughs> a belt, oh. goddammit. Oh, yeah. So, in another insane moment we see michael show up at julia's house and before she can kick him out of course son leo awkwardly invites him to stay for dinner ivy also shows up to derek's house to finally get into the awkward vibe between them and we go into our next clip what are you going on about oh no 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 i'm not the problem you are you blow so hot and cold i don't even know what day it is anymore you are so hideous to me in I'm rehearsal hardly that I... hideous you humiliate me when you're not ignoring me half the time i feel like i don't even exist for you in there no one does <laughs> okay. i am not kidding this isn't some big romantic statement about who I am as an artist. It is just a fact. No, don't give me. Don't give you what? The truth. Isn't that what you came here for? Look, I am building something in that rehearsal room, and with all due respect, it would be a lot easier if everyone pretended just for five minutes not to have all those annoying feelings, because frankly, they get in my way. Theater is about feelings. Oh, you can have feelings. <laughs> They just need to be about Marilyn. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. Another fucking straight white male, like, no one matches in that rehearsal hall. I'm like, God, fuck you, dude. Like, I took notes I while I was watching this, and yeah. the only thing that I could write for this scene was electric chair. <laughs> to everyone involved. Like, God, <laughs> to everyone. Everyone. The audacity for somebody to show up at an, somebody's apartment unwanted and, or, or uncalled for. If you, if, if, I would dare somebody to do that to me. Well, so, like, he <laughs> I need at least a week's like, notice. He always acts so like stunned to see her. I'm like, you had to buzz her in. Like, I mean, like, you know she's here. Right. Like, she didn't just walk the door like, hey, it's me. You know, like I love she when probably like, passed through like a metal detector or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like this building that you live in is so fantastical that clearly right. she had to like go through seven gates of hell to even get there. Yeah, they always so show, you know she's gonna be there. They always show them like banging on the door and like, let me in. I'm like, do you know who like why aren't you just already at the door? Like, what are you doing? Right. It's just yeah. so amazing. It's really amazing to me. Um, also, the 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 dialogue here is not the best. Oh no! Oh uh, what? Again, oh, Megan Hilty is elaborate on that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Megan Hilty is doing what she can with what She's she is trying. giving. She is doing her best. She's and it to is get so that. wonderful to watch. It's a it's a it's a pleasure. You know, we we, we here's the thing. Again, it's both like a little fanciful like no one talks this way and also i could very much see this girl like doing a very real version of this mm -hmm. um like it's this show is so fascinating to me it's why i wanted to cover it so much because it's both like sometimes the worst show ever and like the most <laughs> unbelievable you know drama you could ever see but then there are other times where i think well actually like this i just know if this if this occurred in real life this mm -hmm. is <laughs> absolutely check the box yes grounds for a restraining order 
Uh, well, you can't I just mean, show up at people's houses, bang well, on the door, and be like, "Why were you rude to me in rehearsal?" That's you know what that well, is. In fairness, they're fucking. I mean, like you know, like well, you know. But also, if you're fucking me, don't show up in my apartment without telling me. You true. owe me that enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's weird. Like I'm also like you know after some of the shit he's been putting her through, like um, yeah, you, you go show up there, girl. You go, okay. you go have your. Actually, mama. now that I've heard you say that, she can go off the rails just a little bit. You know, like She's just this it. once, just this once, <laughs> only right. because or I think every time. time she berates him, I'm like, yes, like he needs this. But what's right. so annoying about Derek is like he's so unbothered by anyone in a way that just makes me want to scream, because he's just an obnoxious straight white male you know like he's just and also not shit like he's nothing and also i love that this like insanely like he tries to play this like hyper masculine you know theater director like you were directing a marilyn monroe musical and you were you gave up your my fair lady gig to do this like it's not like his work seems to be so like edgy and intense like he was doing my fair lady before he well here's the thing so i recently have just been um feeling a lot of emotions period <laughs> but also um just in regards to the subject like i feel like there are so many directors out there that decide to do these shows that ultimately they have nothing to add to like they are the wrong director for this story and they know it but yep. they just want to feel like oh i did something you know it's very much mm -hmm. like what is the, what does this like straight white like british man have anything to add to the story about this woman who clearly was in desperate need of help. You know what I and mean? Like, and again, with the My Fair Lady situation, I'm like, oh, why are you directing this musical? You fundamentally don't have any backbone or understanding of any of these experiences. So right. what are you going to add to the story? Yeah, if I was going to make a Marilyn Monroe musical, I would want a female director because right. Marilyn deserves that, <laughs> to be totally honest. Like, she does not deserve another man being like, she needs to be sexier in this scene. You know, it's like... So it's always like, that is no. like Marilyn's about sex and sadness. I'm like, God, fuck you. Like, because I mean, like, here's like, yes, we're artists. We, we should be able sure. to tell a myriad of different stories. Sure. But it's also like you should know where you are competent and where you have something to add, <laughs> and where fundamentally you may not be the person who needs to speak in that moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess I should bring up at this point, um, I think I mentioned to you off mic, there is something called the Maryland Leaderboard, where at any point you can give a point to Karen or Ivy for a point towards being the defendant of Maryland at the end of the season. Has any, are there any points you want to give out at this point in, in the episode as we're getting towards the end? This is controversial only because um, I want to give one to Karen. Okay, um, yeah, go for it. Because... At that rooftop dinner scene, she yes. went from don't objectify me to sucking dick and cock with the second half of that exchange. Absolutely. In two seconds. And that's what I'm talking about with the yeah. writing of that character. It's no. it's not the same as um, Ivy, for example, because she uh, the, we've noticed from day one, she's very calculated and manipulative. manipulative. Yeah. I can't speak English. And she's more sexual. She, she, yeah. she yeah, is not afraid of that side of herself. With Karen, she goes from dusty broom mop to like, I don't know, like wet broom mop. That wet, like, bro yeah, you know, sexy wet broom mop. You know. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, Just they go to Dev's work event, and she finds out she's not seated at his table. Which I would have been like, "Why the fuck am I here? Like, why am I here?" Um, but she is seated at the table with his main competition for the promotion he's there to try to get, and she mm -hmm. pulls out, as you said, her 
inner Marilyn and flirts with him and manages to get some useful information out of him. And yeah, it's the most, I think it's the most sexual we ever see Catherine McPhee on this like show, honestly. Like I, I, I never see her have this much fire again. I just feel like that person that she creates in this television series, if you yeah. so much <laughs> as breathed on her, she would fall over. Like at any and the all thing, time. The poor like, thing. What? Poor thing, yeah. So, uh, are there any Ivy points? Are there any points for Ivy for this episode? Um, I think I'm gonna give a point. I'm gonna give half a point. Okay, I'll allow it. To to Ivy, um, purely for showing up to this man's apartment at probably two in the morning, still looking gorgeous. Yeah. Because if that were me, I would look a fool. Yeah, I'm gonna give um Karen a point for being so sexy, because you know, good for her. <laughs> and I am going to give a point also to Ivy just for Let's Be Bad, because I feel like Let's Be Bad deserves a point. Oh, so. absolutely. So that's a one and a half points for this episode. Yes, we love that. Um, it's funny thing is, like, there's the, right now they're neck and neck in terms of points. Like, they're like... That's awful. It's truly bonkers. Like, actually, well, actually, mm, right now, Karen is half a point ahead. So... That is horrifying. It should be said. Uh, <laughs> but anyway... The episode ends with, at Julia's house, Michael, still very drunk, blurts out to Leo that he used to smoke weed with her when they were in rehearsals for their last show together. Julia then calls a car to take him home. But not before he belts out the show's second Glee-style number, which is him serenading Julia on her front steps with a song, A Song for You. The episode ends with the two kissing on the front steps, and the camera pans up to reveal Leo watching everything from his bedroom window. Every time I watch this episode, I'm like, bitch, you know your son's window is right up there, and you're making out with him on the steps. Before we can even get to this moment, we have to fast track back to the dinner table when he's mm-hmm. eating that pizza. Yeah. Because he says, the word he was looking for was chiquilla. He says chiquita when he's referencing like the girlfriend or whatever to yeah. that, the one kid, the Leo kid or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm just sitting here the like, Leo what's... kid or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> A wonderful like, way to describe him. Was there no like language person on the set who could have said no, something about this? Absolutely. That got put into, that, that made it into the final cut, which was yeah. then broadcast on nbc broadcast on nbc that's embarrassing i don't think anyone noticed uh, like <laughs> maybe it was intentional maybe it was he's just a moment so to, like, make he's like derby. i think my character wouldn't say it right <laughs> it was just, and it just it's came true. out of nowhere i was like this is not like slang or terminology that like any person who didn't speak spanish would use like it's it's not like you know what i mean like i was no, just no, like no, what is this why is he yeah it's also uh, Michael, like, you have a family at home. Like, what are you doing? Your fucking wife who works full-time, she's making the money for the family, mm-hmm. is at home with, I assume, your screaming baby right now. And you're here, like, beer drunk with this obnoxious teen, like, mm-hmm. and trying to sing this bullshit for Deborah Messing. And I'm just like, go home. Go has home. An, has anybody in, in your own personal life ever serenaded you like this out of the moment? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes, but not to this effect. Yeah. It was a guy who was like, let me tell you, if someone tells me they're an amazing singer, my immediate red flag is, oh, so you can't sing. Okay, so you're not good. Um, and this was one of those things where he was like very proud that he was about to sing for me, and I had to awkwardly give a Tony-winning performance of a person <laughs> who isn't hearing that. 
Um, well, so, but person- so this, the romance of this, no, I've not experienced that. I have experienced someone singing at me though, in a attempt person- to woo me. The type of person that would do this kind of thing is almost exclusively going to be the type of person that could could not sing. Yeah. Or, but I will say though, or a really cocky, straight musical theater guy who wants to sing mm. all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, You know, it's a weird thing that straight men, I find so many are doing covers of this now, or straight men doing covers of um, She Used to Be Mine. It's like, it's oh, like I they can't. It. They, uh, <sighs> I hate it. I'm like, wow. So we need to take this show also. You like need that music. Do you not have enough songs for yourself? Like you, we have to take Miss Miss Borales's score and just you know attack well, here's it, the thing. attack it vocally. That, that song, out of context, could be about many different things. Sure, sure. But here's the thing. <laughs> Mentally, when we look at it in the context of the show, it is a broken woman mm-hmm. who is pregnant on the verge of like trying to up to uproot herself from her life that is being <laughs> like devastatingly ruined by this man. You know what I mean? So what is this straight like musical theater boy look at that scene and sees that show and says, oh, I see myself there. I I just I just I I feel like the world needs my again, the world needs needs my opinion and my interpretation of what this material is. And it's like fundamentally we don't. I really don't. I've never I don't need that ever. And Especially just, when you're going to do the Jeremy Jordan arrangement and just I'll rewrite say, the song. It's only because Jeremy Jordan did it. And so every other boy is like, I could do that, too. I'm Jeremy Jordan. And I never thought I would be a sing the notes on the page bitch, but with that song, I'm like, you can't just rewrite. Like it's a, it's a rewriting the song at that point. See, I'm I'm very weird. Well, not weird, but like I'm not a natural great riffer or anything like that. So I am more like I I just kind of give like that sounds so boring. I kind of do give the performance of like what's on the page if I'm being completely honest with myself, unless I like think of some option while I'm in rehearsal or something. Um, so I don't know. I won't Listen, say- I'm I'm all for make the song your own. Do <laughs> sure, what you sure, want. Sure, sure. Yeah. However, what I am not for However. is completely altering two thirds of the number in order to <sighs> showcase nothing. Yeah, I mean, not to. It's not completely off topic because um, Megan Hilty, who plays Ivy Lynn, was in this musical. But when Alphabuzz do Defying Gravity and suddenly the last like minute of that song is them going on a journey that the score certainly didn't go on and i just think you're you're changing so much that i can't even hear like the melody anymore like mm-hmm. we've gone too far we've gone too far <sighs> but anyway we have reached the end of this episode um do you have any final thoughts before i go into the karen moment of the week um i think my last thought is yes. honestly that um will chase is so dreamy I saw him in Something Rotten when he played Shakespeare and I met him at the stage door and I literally said something along the lines of like, oh my God, I loved Smash. And he laughed at me. (laughs) He's like, Like, not not a chuckle, like like, you stupid piece of shit. Like you're so funny for even saying that to me in this moment. (laughs) Um, But also on the other hand, this couple wants to be caught. There are streetlights on the street. They're making out. Oh, also, one last thing I can't leave. I didn't want to pull a clip or anything, but I guess it's worth noting. We also get the scene of Tom and Boring Lawyer finally having sex, only for them to, like, chuckle, chuckle over how bad the sex is. They're like, I think that's maybe the worst sex I've ever had, um, which I just thought, how sad. How sad for I mean, Tom. Again, 
one of them, the second it was over, would have left already. Yeah, like, why are you still laying there? I don't understand. This is strange. This is weird. Why For a show someone... about gay people, I don't understand how they miss the mark so much. Okay, man. Well, with that being said, let's head into my Karen moment of the week, which is uh, here. We get Karen giving her thoughts on sexuality. Oh, come on, my love. I'm going to be late. Like, she's a walking bombshell, so maybe I'm not all, you know, all the time. I'm sorry, but I wasn't raised that way. I was looked down on girls who are all about being sexy. She seems so desperate. Ugh, like, I just can't even... Well, it just makes no sense because then she then goes to saying it's a man's world, but then does it from the lens of like male objectification and just does a strip tease. Yeah. And like, first of all, we already did this on Glee. So like, what are you doing? Oh, but on Glee, it was sung by pregnant teenagers. Yeah. So yeah. it was a whole nother thing. A whole choir of, of pregnant teen girls. Which, to be honest, I appreciate it. That worked it. better than whatever this was. I mean, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching uh, Diana Argon uh, more than... Attempt to sing this number. Oh, bless. I mean, bless. She was attempting. And she, you know, she was trying to get there. Um, but yeah, Karen, just every, every, I always, I remember I had this idea, like, I'm going to do a Karen moment of the week. And at first I thought, oh no, what if there's not like a moment in every episode? There is. There always is. It has not been, a, it has not been hard to find one. Um, and I'm, I, yeah, I will be able to find one. So I, I, I don't know any of the rest of her filmography because I <laughs> yeah. wasn't interested in watching any of it. <laughs> Is yes. she like this with every part that she does, or more or less? I mean, because I only know her. Other than this thing, she was in a show that my parents watched or watched on CBS, which like says a lot because um, mm-hmm. those CBS shows are mostly trash. And she was kind of just this. It was like. Hey, what are you? What are we doing? It's just very like this. Like this is her acting style. It's natural. It's natural and like you know vanilla, vanilla neutral. You know, it's just kind of it's it's the McPhee technique. Mm-hmm. That so, that nobody showed up to the class for. <laughs> yeah, I can't even. So that brings us to the end. Um, yeah, the the show going forward, this this is, as I said, where the whole show pivots. And now we are in real life musical number land. The show has, Ooh. we are giving up on this trying to be a um, earnest telling of the Broadway community and it has turned into, I don't even know what to compare this show to, like, like tone wise. You know what I mean? It's so. It's its own thing. Yeah. It it's really like, is. It, Nothing it really... exists like it. It exists in its own canon, and that's what that is why we. I don't want to say love it, but it is why I watch it and I find it intensely fascinating. It's very and riveting. It's very it's riveting. Like, and there's a lot to talk about in every episode. I have to say, uh, and I'm so happy I finally got you on the show. I know this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, if you ever want to come back, please, please let oh, me know. Oh, I will. Um, I what I'm so excited about, like I can hardly contain my excitement, is whenever Uma Thurman shows up because that is. Ooh. I think one of the best performances on this entire show. Listen, uh, when I was, I think probably like eight years old is when that Percy Jackson movie came out (laughs) and Uma Thurman as Medusa in that movie. Can we talk about it? Because she's incredible. She's another actress where I'm like, I I don't care what it is you're doing. I will show up. Oh, I mean like her as Poison Ivy. People love to like make fun of it and Batman and Robin. I'm like, she's doing, she's doing drag and I don't care. And that's like, honestly what I want from her most times. Oh my god! There's a there's a quote from not that movie, but it's another uh, Batman movie that I say all the time. Is uh, she walks in the door of her apartment? And she goes, "Honey, I'm home." Oh wait, 
I forgot. I'm not married. I'm not married. <laughs> and then those cats eat her face and she falls out the window. Which I <laughs> think is very And then she relatable. does the whole scene over again, but with like bloody face and she's like practically kind of talking. Oh. Michelle Pfeiffer was my lady when I was a kid. Like she was mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. Well, Chris, would you like to let the listeners know where they could support you online? Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to want to shout out? Um, um. So you can find me on Instagram um, at uh, Chris D Carrasco. Um, I did it with the English phonetics so people can understand. K R I S D as in David, C A R R A S C O. Um, you can also find me on Tinder. Probably, please swipe right. I'm and why wouldn't they? Look at that face. Look at <laughs> that smile. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's very sweet. <laughs> Especially with your pink lighting. Right. I mean, I'll, yeah. Well, here's the problem. I look great in fantasy lighting. It's when it all goes away okay. that oh, it's gosh. like, oh, oh please. That? I'm, not, I'm not here for this. I'm not going to play okay. a part in this game. Um, but yes. Anyway. Yeah. Go. Also, I have to say, I brought this up before, but the first time I saw you in drag, it was when you were doing an Ariana Grande number where you altered the audio so that it was like it was i was like dying like i was hyperventilating i was laughing so hard it was what's was it break free i think it was break it was free. break free it's it was the title of the track is it break free but off pitch <laughs> yeah so it sounds like ariana grande on a, a really really bad night yeah yeah which we never hear but like which doesn't you know, exist yeah it doesn't it's exist. literally like manipulated and and yeah. i i knew i was the only one that was going to find it funny not true. And when other people found it funny, I was like, oh, thank God. I, I know I, I, I think people hated me because I was just like cackling. Like cackling. See, but we all need a cackler. I, oh, I'm the cackle. I was a little drunk too. So I was like, I'm letting it out. I haven't, oh, had a, I haven't done a number like that in a while. <sighs> do it again. Do it again. Yeah. Oh, man. But thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope you have a good night. That's good. You too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just want to give another big thank you to Chris for coming on the show. I had so much fun unpacking this episode with you, and hopefully you'll be back in the future. So listeners, you know where to go and support Chris online, and you absolutely should. There are fabulous numbers that he posts on his Instagram on the regular, and they're they're worth seeing. Go into the backlog. Go look at them. Go look at them. And if you want to support me, you can find me online at Zachary with no H on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. I have officially succumbed to TikTok. What can I do? And if you want to support the show, you can find the show at IAW Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And hopefully you will drop by on Friday for Film Fridays, where I continue my recap of the Nightmare on Elm Street series with special guest co-host Devin Ray. This week we are doing Nightmare on Elm Street 5? Yeah, 5. <laughs> um, which is The Dream Child, which is a weird one, a really weird one, and it's worth it's worth a listen. Um, but, you know, as always, I have been your host, Zachary Landolt. It has been a pleasure to jump back into TV Tuesdays. There'll be no more breaks until the end of Smash. I promise. I promise. But, you know, sending love to you all, and we'll see you here on Friday. Bye. Bye.